Last time on Improv Tabletop, we followed our heroes, Mester Brickathon, Pilfer the Pirate, and Oleg the Exchange Student, as they went to the various areas within Camp Studston in hopes of finding information about the Bricklicant, their enemy, and to build up resources that you could use in their battle against it. Pilfer went to the waterfront and managed to build himself a crew of some of the staff members there, as well as Patrol X from the Brickabrac troop. Oleg used Sputnik to geocache his way to an abandoned Soviet base outside of the camp, and when he arrived, discovered some unsettling stuff going on, the most unsettling being an entire room full of minifigure pieces. He took some of these pieces and assembled them into a golem of sorts, a Frankenstein's creation, which he named Alvin. And Alvin was able to give him some information about the creature. It needs material to work with. That's why it's been stealing people from the haunted campsite, so it can subsume their parts for its own. As they were trying to escape, Oleg was attacked by the Bricklicant, the Squazniak, and very nearly was killed by it, but was saved at the last minute by Master Brickathon, who passed by and happened to see that this kerfuffle was happening. So the Bricklicant is currently trapped inside of the old Soviet base for now, but Master Brickathon, upon seeing some of this non-brick-like goop that was left on Oleg's body after his altercation with the Bricklicant, one of the holes in his memory filled, and he realized there was a memory that he had tried to suppress, something he had taken out from his own brain, and that he had a journal which he had left hidden in his old thinking tree. And so, with this new information in hand, how are our heroes going to defeat the Bricklicant and save Camp Studston in The Tension Builders? What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton, Master Lego Man. <laughs> Evan Peterson. Christian Randall, still very hurt. Oh, man. So we've got a monster to defeat and presumably some answers to be found. So we're going to pick back up with Master Brickathon, Oleg, and Alvin as they're waiting outside of the Soviet base. You guys are currently down a pilfer. Uh, do you want to try and get him before you head to the thinking tree or just head straight there? Yes. Yes, we must get Pilfer, and we all must meet at the Thinking Tree so that I can tell you all what I remembered. So you guys head back down to the waterfront, and you notice that the Battle of Studston Lake is currently happening, and you've got Pilfer there in his ship with his motley crew that he's assembled together, and they are currently in a full-on cannons-blazing uh, naval assault on the Bric-a-Brac troop. You guys have both taken some salvos on either side, and one more good shot could take down either ship. So we're on the deck now with Pilfer. He's screaming out orders. We have Giles at the wheel, and he's turning it with all of his might to try and get the broadside of the ship facing in the direction of the bric-a-brac troop. And he turns towards Pilfer and says, My captain, I don't know if we can do this. I'm going to turn around and scream at him. Oh, I thought you were tougher than that, laddie. That's why I invited you on my crew. 
I will go with you to the end, oh captain, my captain. I will go down with the ship if need be. I'm going to grab his arms and say, that's the type of loyalty I expect from me, crew. Now turn, turn. And I'm going to jump up on top of the wheel and start running in place to like spin it super fast to help him turn it. <laughs> nice. Go ahead and uh, roll to create an advantage with Flashy because, I mean, running on top of a steering wheel, that's a pretty flashy thing to be doing. That is a plus six. Wow. Okay, so you succeeded with style. You have two more free invokes on the we're landlocked, but this will do aspect. So you currently have four free invokes on that. And we come to the final salvo here. Master Bricklebarrel is shouting at the rest of the Brickaback troop, and he has just hatred in his eyes as he stares towards you. Your group is much, much smaller than his. You only have like a 20th of his crew in size, but you still manage to whittle them down this far. And he turns towards the rest of his troop and orders them to fire as you order your troop to fire. I'd like to go down to the cannonmen real quick, right before we fire, and say, Aye, this may be our last stand, crew, so I have one request of ye. Shoot me right at that man, and I'm going to crawl inside one of the cannons and aim it at him. Okay, so you just found a way to make this the most flashy possible thing that you could be doing. Roll to attack with flashy. That's another plus six. So the bric-a-brac troop rolled a flat zero. I'd like to use one of my free invokes on we're landlocked, but this will have to do to get a plus eight on their plus zero. All right. So you have brought that up to a legendary attack (laughs) and you're sitting there in the cold iron belly of the cannon, your heart thumping in your ears. Everything goes slow and quiet for a moment. You take a deep breath, the scent of gunpowder invading your nostrils and filling you with love of the open sea. And before you know it, the scent of gunpowder turns to smoke, then to salty sea air. And in this slow motion situation, you're flying your arms outstretched like an osprey above the waters. You look around and you can see the faces of Patrol X all looking up at you in admiration and respect. Giles especially, he's taken his hat and placed it over his heart and is once again weeping openly. All of the staff members on the shore are leaping up in the air. They're clapping with their weird C-shaped hands. And as you fly slowly towards Master Brickle Barrel, his eyes widen. And in what actually happened in real life in one second, slows down to this beautiful tableau for you before you slam headlong into Master Brickle Barrel's chest. And his torso goes shooting out from between his head and his legs into the water. And his head just like plops down on top of one of the pegs on top of his legs. And you kind of go sprawling across the deck and the rest of the cannonballs pierce the side of the bric-a-brac troops ship and it begins sinking. And you have kind of landed up against the mast in the center. You're back against it and you're a little bit sore because you just got shot out of a cannon, but you're watching the flames erupt around you on the ship and you just can't help feeling how beautiful it is as you watch Master Brickle Barrel just ahead on a pair of legs, running around in panic, trying to get his troop to land. And as the ship goes down, 
I'd like to try and climb to the top of the mast and ride it back down to my ship. <laughs> you know, with a legendary roll on your last one, I don't think you even need to roll for that one. The mast snaps off at the base and you start running up it and right <laughs> as it gets level with your ship, you leap off, you land on the deck and the last bit of the mast sinks under the water and the entire crowd is just erupting and cheering. And Master Brickathon and Oleg, you guys and Alvin are trying to shove your way through this crowd to get to Pilfer and his ship. As you're trying to get there, you feel these young builders pushing in against you, uh, kind of impeding your way to get to the shore. Uh, but you can see Pilfer up there. The entire Patrol X has him up on their shoulders and they're parading him around the deck of the ship, the new champion of the Battle of Lake Studston. Pilfer! Pilfer! Pilfer, get over here! Ah, hoy, matey. Did you see what I just did? There is no time to be celebrating right now. We have important things to be doing. We need our whole troop together. All right, back to work, crew. Take me to the shoreline. And the entire patrol starts, uh, they get under to the rowing area and start rowing your ship towards the shore. And as you disembark, one of the patrol like throws a towel around your shoulders. One of them brings a bottle of Perrier and one of them starts like shining your shoes as you're walking, going along the shore. Thank you very much, crew. You've done fine work today. One lesson you'll learn as a pirate is that the work's never over though. While I'm off with the troop, I need you to repair the ship. We might need to use it again. There's a monster in the camp. Uh, pardon me, Pilfer. When do I get my dame? <laughs> uh, well, if this were a co-ed camp, you'd be covered in dames right now after that stunt. We'll get dames. We just need to work our way out of here first. A builder is patient, and he gives you a little bow and begins to direct the rest of your crew to start patching up the ship. I call after them. I believe there was a dame in the trading post. She has an Etsy shop. Hi, <laughs> ap apparently your memory ain't so patchy after all. Not when it comes to dames. <laughs> but speaking of your memory not being as patchy as you thought it was. Oh yes, Pilfer. Pilfer, I'm, I'm very impressed. It looks like whatever you did here, you really made quite an impression. We'll really need you and all of the panache that you can muster. Come with us to the thinking tree. Aye, aye. And your brother, he, he, he comes too? Yes, where is the lazy lout? You find him at the trading post, speaking with the dame behind the <laughs> counter. <laughs> I grab him by the ear and drag him out. Come, you are old enough to be her father. You stop that at once. Come with me. Okay, fine, fine, whatever, man. What's, what's, what's the big kerfuffle? No talking to the thinking tree. All right, so you guys make your way over to the thinking tree, and it's like... It's exactly the tableau from like Winnie the Pooh, the tree up on the top of the hill. There's the log laying on the ground next to it and you arrive and it's this very beautiful picturesque place, the flowers blooming on the hillsides, this large valley out in front of you and the sun is just beginning to set and it's alighting the glen and all of the butterflies wings as they're fluttering about. But there is 
a darkness upon your mind as you arrive at this location. Uh, how is this supposed to help solve our problems? It's just a tree on a hill. Sit down, all of you, in a circle, facing the tree. Oh, my, my neck still has a, a kink, so it's going to be difficult for me to face the tree so, and be part of the circle. A, a quick point of order now that we have begun a new session. All stress that you have taken is mitigated. Your minor consequence is also mitigated, but your moderate and severe consequences are not yet mitigated. Okay, good to know. I was wondering when those would go away. Yeah, so your thoughts are still not your own and you are still currently being subsumed. Can I just reach over and crack his head back into place? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. I'm glad you are all here. You are here at my thinking place from many, many years ago, when I was a young, young builder, like many of you, except for Pilfer. I'm really not sure how old you are. Your age seems a bit deceiving. <laughs> my age is but a secret for you not to know. That's fine. Anyway, here. And I would like to invoke my stunt, uh, learning by osmosis. Yes, you pull out your tome of tutelage and you feel its heavy weight in your claw-shaped hands. I would like to thump each one of them on the head with the Tome of Tutelage and impart to them the knowledge, the knowledge of what I experienced 40 years ago here at this very camp. And you all see images flashing through your minds of this very tree that you are now sitting circled around. And you see a young Master Brickathon coming to this area often, writing in a journal that looks very similar to his Tome of Tutelage, but it is slightly different. He's writing down busily, and one day when he arrives, you see there is terror in his eyes. There's a weight upon his mind. He's limping slightly, and he goes up to the tree, and he knocks on the side, and one of the bricks pops out of the side of the tree. He takes the book, he slides it inside, and replaces the brick in its place and reaches into his pack and pulls out another book, very similar to the one he just placed inside of the tree, but this one you recognize to be his Tome of Tutelage. And he begins writing in this new book, and as he does, you see his face begin to calm. His eyes begin to kind of go distant, and this kind of blissful ignorance crosses his face as he just smiles at this tableau before him, and you all are returned to the moment. As you all know, I have holes in my memory, but what you may not know is that I put them there myself. Commander Brickathon stands up and he says, I, uh, never would have guessed this about you. You did, uh, you were never the same after that summer. And he walks up to the tree and he knocks on the side of it and the brick pops out and there's a little puff of smoke from inside for dramatic effect. And he reaches in and he pulls out that old book, and it's gotten dusty with age. There are cobwebs on it, and he hefts it in his hand before turning to you, Master Brickathon, and handing it to you. In this tome are the memories of that summer, only brought back to me now by the sludge that was on poor Oleg's body after the Bricklicant tried to subsume him. And you begin leafing through the pages and the memories come flooding back to you. You recall your early days of wondering, what if there was something other than just bricks? What if there was a different material out there? And the experiments that you began going through, trying to create something that was more 
than just this plastic substance of which you were made. Something organic, something strange. And you succeeded in creating this substance. But in doing so, you created not only the substance, but also the monster that you are now fighting against. You remember yourself with this small amount of this goop and you had a creature that you had created out of just regular old bricks. You'd stacked up some purple and lime green bricks into kind of the formation of a nice horse, and you placed some of the sludge onto this creature and watched it cover the entire body of the horse and begin to morph and mutate it into strange shapes, abominable shapes. You remember being terribly frightened of this creature the consciousness that it was taking on, the unnaturalness of it. You let it through the forest. It chased you for hours. You finally found an old abandoned Soviet base. The Soviets were, they were just packing up as you arrived and you could see their trucks moving off into the distance. You ran inside, the Bricklicant followed you and you trapped it in there. You escaped, hoping it would never make its way out but it has made its way out, or at least had made its way out, before Oleg once again trapped it within that prison. Christian just dabbed for our listening audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at this loser. Dabbing is so three years ago. That's very generous of you. <laughs> I know. I'm bad with trend time frames. As you all now know, we are all, this entire camp is under threat of great danger, and it is a danger that I created, so I must now stop it. And you remember, as you continue flipping through the book, you get towards the end, and you had postulated about something that might be able to destroy the creature that you created, a weakness that it might have. There is a certain flower here in Camp Studston which blooms only under the light of the full moon. Flowers which grow upon this very hillside, by day, they are normal, average daisies and posies upon the side of the mountain. But when the moonlight strikes them, the petals unfurl to form these majestic, glowing flowers of wonderful size. It was from these flowers that you created the creature, and it is from these flowers that you might be able to once again destroy the creature. Master Brickathon, ye may be the one who needs to destroy this creature. But if there's one thing I know, it's that you can't get any job done without a crew. We're here to help you with whatever you need to get the job done. I am grateful for that, Pilfer, for I will need all of you. It was my fault, and I corrupted the flowers. But perhaps if we can inundate the beast with enough of the pure form of the flowers, then it will be overwhelmed and will cease to be. Who's good at picking flowers? We don't have much time. Uh... Yeah, you look out across the horizon and the sun is making its final descent and night is beginning to decisively fall across the camp and you turn back towards the east and you see the full moon rising, finally completed. Well, I be not good at picking flowers with only one arm. <gasps> I have something for you, my friend. I'm going to look at Alvin. Both of his arms, are either of them familiar? <laughs> Roll just a flat check, a luck check as it might be. A zero. <laughs> I am afraid that neither of these are Pilfer's arm. Uh, it was there, you just didn't notice it. <laughs> Pilfer, 
This is my friend, uh, Alvin. And uh, when I made him, I also found this for you. Um, and I'm gonna pull out the bone with the single claw hand I found kind of like shoved in the end of it. Is there any way to even attach this to my torso? Roll a clever check. Clever or careful, I'll let you decide which one you want. That is a plus two. Plus two, you pop it into the socket. It's a little stiff, but your moderate consequence is now a mild consequence. Ooh, well, matey, thank you very much. I will treasure this for as long as I walk this earth. Well, I think that means we can all go complete the most difficult task we've ever completed as a, as a group. We need to go pick flowers. <laughs> and not just flowers. We need every flower, all of them, everyone on the mountainside. And what do we do with the flowers once we've picked them, Master? We take them to the haunted campsite. Indeed. While you pick flowers, I'll go get me crew to set up cannons at the campsite just in case we need them. Indeed we will, for in order to inundate the beast with all of the flowers, we will need to load them into the cannons. I've never heard you say something so beautiful to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you guys go about preparing for this battle. You have Patrol X uh, with Giles at their head loading these cannons in the campsite. Go ahead and roll to create an advantage with Forceful. That's a plus two. Plus two. All right. So we have another new aspect at the haunted campsite. Ooh, can I, is there any need to make that better? So you currently get one free invoke on that. If you increase it, you would get two free invokes. Can I use a fate point to invoke sailing the seven seas and uh, increase that by two since it's the cannons from my ship? Yeah, with your familiarity of the cold iron that you love so well, you are able to get two free invokes on this aspect, which I am going to call, uh, I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to call it Pilfer Bell's Cannon in D. (laughs) (laughs) Pilfer Bell's Cannon in X, because it's Patrol X, you know? You may not be proud of that, but I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. You are you are too generous. I, I mean that sincerely. All right. We have what Pilfer's been doing. Oleg and Master Brickathon, what are you guys doing to help prepare for this upcoming battle? Um, I would like to invoke these thoughts are not my own. Um, as I go about picking flowers, I'm going to feel drawn to obscure a patch of them so that not all of them get picked. <gasps> all right. I'll say go ahead and just roll with Sneaky real quick. That's a plus four. Master Brickathon, if you would like to attempt to notice what's going on, you can roll with Clever to try and notice this happening. Oh man, I rolled a zero and I have a plus three, so that's a three. So uh, currently you are one shy of being able to notice this happening. Guess who has one good eye and one better eye? I like it. (laughs) My better eye catches on and I add two to that for a plus five. Can I, so activating these thoughts are not my own, does that give me a plus at all? Uh, If you want to spend a fate point for that, you may. And do fate points also rejuvenate at the start of the move? Yeah, so you all have three fate points currently. Master Brickathon has spent one, so he has two left. And I've spent one. I will also spend one. Mm -hmm. Oh man. The tension builds. 
So, Master Brickathon, you do not notice this patch being obscured. Um, Oleg, you finish, uh, you like take some dirt and you kind of cast it over these flowers. And as you turn around, you see Alvin standing there with his arms full of flowers. And he says, Oleg, I'm glad that you brought me to life. I feel like I can make a difference. I feel like there's a way that I can do something good. If I can help you defeat this monster, everything will have been worth it. I... I love you, Oleg. As you should. I am your creator. Okay, cool. And he uh, turns around and uh, starts picking more flowers. And uh, one of my painted-on eyes kind of twitches a little bit as the the goop, this uh, material that is not brick, is seeping into the cracks of my Lego body. As you are currently being subsumed, you can feel your mind becoming more connected with the Squazniak still captured inside of the base It's asking you to know how it can escape. And you being the one who placed the door there, you know how to release the Squazniak from its prison. Um, And I feel this telepathically connected, and I I think back to when I shoved it in there, how it's all hinging on one small little two-piece block that if he just taps it in just the right way, the whole thing will come tumbling down because I'm at Master Builder Camp. I'm not yet a Master Builder. (laughs) All right, so Master Brickathon, is there anything else that you are doing to prepare for this battle? Uh, I am looking through all of my old memories and thinking and preparing myself to confront the evil that I set upon the world so long ago. As you're just contemplating, you finish picking up your section of the flowers and you come back to the tree and you notice your brother is sitting there with your journal in his lap, reading through it. He has a heavy look on his face. And as he looks up and sees you, he says, uh, there's some pretty messed up stuff, I gotta admit, but I'm here for you, man. I'm gonna help you take this out. I'm gonna do whatever I can. Thank you, Commander, my brother. And he gets up and he gives you a big old hug and he looks at Alvin and Oleg with their portions of the flowers and says, well, I suppose it's time to go and get these loaded up. Thank you all for being here for me in this time of need. Do do we need to, uh, how do you say, uh, steep them in the never-ending fire? Uh, Commander Brickathon, looking at the book, says, I could increase their potency, but it is a bit risky. It is risky, but I believe it is a risk that must be taken. Come to the campsite. All right, so you guys get back to the campsite, and you see Patrol X has been setting up all the cannons. You see all of the ghosts have set up ghostly chairs just outside the perimeter of the camp, (laughs) and they've got buckets of ghost popcorn, and they're just chatting amongst themselves. They've got playbills that they're leafing through as they're preparing (laughs) for the show to go down. And you see the ever-burning campfire in the center of the camp, and Commander Brickathon, looking through the journal, he goes back into your trailer, and he pulls out a large cauldron and places it on the ever-burning fire. He says, all right, this is our chance. Place the flowers into the cauldron. You place all the flowers inside the cauldron, and uh, Master Brickathon, go ahead and roll to create an advantage with careful. This is going to be a fairly difficult check. This is going to be a plus four. I rolled a four. All right. So you have succeeded at a minor cost. 
so the flowers are more potent. This means that any attack that involves these flowers is going to be at a plus one. Can I invoke something to help him avoid that minor cost? What would you like to do? I'd like to invoke my bumbling luck aspect to see what he's doing and run over to try and help him and trip and hit the cauldron and spin it in such a way that it actually cures them perfectly. <laughs> All right. So you trip, you bonk your head, and there's a big boom. And uh, yeah, you avoid the minor cost, the mysterious minor cost that I definitely had in mind. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, Very good, Pilfer. Your bumbling luck has helped us again. These are perfectly steeped. Aye, aye, master. And I sit up and I turn my head 180 degrees so it's facing the right way forward again. And Giles and the rest of Patrol X begin loading. Uh, They have these cannonballs that they've made, which are hollow on the inside. They begin filling them with this steeped brew from the flowers and begin loading those into the cannons themselves. Um, I'm going to look up at the moon and see if they've placed the last brick into the full moon yet. And you see one UFO, small, fairly insignificant looking. It's carrying a simple one by two flat brick and it's almost in slow motion. It goes up and places it against the side of the moon. Click and the moon brightens. Ah, prepare yourself, boys. While ye may have joined for the promise of dames, what ye'll learn tonight is that the glory of battle is incomparable to anything other feeling in the world. (laughs) And you all hear the sound of stumbling footsteps from the woods and a quavering, panting voice. And as it gets closer, it says, Uh, excuse me, excuse me, um, guys? Hello? Yes, yes, who's there? And you see a figure come stumbling out of the mist. Uh, His clothes now have tattered marking printed into them. And he looks up and his eyes are wild and darting back and forth. It is Scoops. (gasps) Scoops! Gasp! (laughs) I'm going to run up and embrace him in a firm handshake. (laughs) (laughs) And he takes your hand and starts shaking it up and down. And he goes... Oh my gosh, oh, there's some really creepy stuff going on. Uh, are, are you guys doing all right? Are you guys doing okay over here? Scoops, we are fine. We are preparing to battle the Bricklink. How did you survive? Well, you know, it all just really kind of comes down to... It comes down to the honor that I have as a staff member, you know? Gotta keep the guys in the haunted campsite happy. Oleg, he doesn't look well. Get him to the bomb shelter. Gotta keep, gotta keep the troop in the haunted campsite happy. It's a trap! Keep him far away from the bomb shelter. (laughs) (laughs) And as Scoops is right up there next to you guys, you see his head begin to snake upward off of his torso, this tendril of that black goop lifting it and it begins to squeeze out of the crack between his torso and his legs and expand around him. And the head right before it is consumed by the goop says, Gotta keep the troop in the haunted campsites. And I think it's time for a conflict. Oh, man. So... I'm going to give Master Brickathon the first go. 
I reach into the cauldron uh, that held the steeped flowers, and I take two claw hands and dip them into the remainder at the bottom and spread like war paint on my face and run over to the nearest cannon and light the fuse. All right. Roll to attack with forceful. And this is at a plus one because you're using the flower-infused attack. So that's a plus two. All right. The Bricklicant is going to roll to defend with quick, and it rolls a plus four. I would like to invoke my aspect one good eye and one better eye and take especially careful aim to add two to that roll. All right, so that brings us to four to four. That would be a tie, meaning that uh, the attack would not harm the Bricklicant, but you would gain a boost. Sure, I'll take that. All right, so the cannonball goes slamming into the Bricklicant's side. Uh, He tries to dodge it, but at the last moment, it kind of grazes against him and it explodes and showers this flower-steeped juice kind of behind him onto the ground. And you see where it grazed, that black goop has begun to melt away, almost like acid bubbling against it. And you can see the bricks begin to be exposed underneath. And the boost that I'm going to give you is, it knows we mean business. I like it. All right, Master Brickathon, who would you like to go next? Let's go over to Pilfer. I, column A, prepare your cannons. Column B, hold. And I stand in front of the cannons and I raise the sword up in the air and I go, ready? Aim! And I swing my sword down and you fire! Alright, taking this commander-like position, I'll say that you can roll to attack with flashy if you would like. Bricklicant's one is again going to try and defend with quick. Got a plus four. I got a minus one, so I'm gonna see, can I use one of our free invokes on we're landlocked, but it'll have to do since these are our ship cannons, and we've got them on dry land? Yeah, I think that'll do it. Okay, that makes mine a plus five. Plus five. So you currently have one shift on the beast, meaning that you would deal one stress to it. Uh, I can live with that, unless it's going to do something. Well, thing is, you can always add on top of that to deal more stress if you would like. So if that's something you're interested in doing, you can. Otherwise, we'll just do the one stress. Uh, I think the one stress will be fine. All right. So it slams into the Bricklicant's body, and this is a more direct hit. It sprays across its entire... I mean, it doesn't have, like traditional body structure, but there's this big portion of it that now starts to bubble away that weird black goop, and it has taken one stress. Excellent. Uh, I will... You know what? Let's see its reaction. Let's let it go next. Okay. The Bricklicant, uh, understanding kind of the gravity of the situation that it's going through, it sees Pilfer kind of taking command in this situation, and it does not like that very much at all. So it is going to try and attack Pilfer. It goes rushing up towards you and is going to make a big old swipe at you. It actually only gets a plus one on that attack. What am I defending with? What is the action that you take in order to defend? I'd like to swing my sword at whatever tendril it's swinging at me and try and cut through it. All right, so you're kind of trying to parry it away. I'll say we could make that either quick or careful. That is going to be a zero. Zero. It uh, slams against you. You try to parry it, but at the last moment, it tosses your sword hand aside. And you know what? It is going to use one of its fate points to increase that to three stress against you. Uh, It's going to invoke its mutable form to kind of form itself into more of a... You know, like in Spider-Man, the Sandman has those big, massive, like, sand hammer hands, does that kind of thing as it slams into you, dealing three stress. 
Uh, curious. This might seem like an odd thing, but I'm one away from a consequence instead of just stress. Can I invoke my own trouble to take a uh, moderate consequence instead of any stress? So you can take a moderate consequence uh, with three or four stress. Oh, you can? Okay, so I don't have to invoke my trouble. Okay, cool. I'm going to take yeah, a moderate. I mean, you. I'll say since you want to take a consequence, you can still invoke that trouble, compel it against yourself, and I'll give you a fate point for that. Okay, yeah, so since I have a peg leg, as I'm trying to parry and he swings, I sort of stumble on my footing and take the moderate consequence. All right, so the moderate consequence that I am going to give to you is it takes out one of your eyes. You have an eye patch now. (laughs) It just hits me across the eye, and instead of having an injured eye, immediately an eye patch appears as my head spins. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Dude, and I'm just imagining, like, you started with your left leg was a peg leg, then you lost your left arm, and now you've lost your left eye. So you're all right. (laughs) Okay. All right. So the Bricklicant has concluded its turn. It's going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to give Oleg his turn now. All right. Um, I feel inside my body a fierce (laughs) tearing in half. I want to fight. He is my enemy, but there is a compelling force in me that wants to protect for some reason. I would like to use these thoughts are not my own and uh, try and point one of the cannons away from him and fire it. Let's see, you you pointed off to the side. There's one of the other cannons there and it's being operated by a few of the members of Patrol X and they're just about getting ready to fire upon the Bricklicant and uh, you turn towards them. Go ahead and attack with Sneaky. They're going to defend with Quick. They got a flat zero. The cannonball strikes into the cannon and sends them flying off into the distance, and they hit the ground and bounce, and you see their bodies kind of fall apart into the disparate pieces, and their ghosts go flying out and land in some of those ghost chairs in the ghost audience, and... Oh, Oh, man. And this cannon is now inoperable as well. Pilfer, how do you use these cannons? And I'm going to pass it to... uh... See, we have Commander Brickathon and we have Patrol X. I'm going to pass it to Patrol X after that. So Patrol X is going to try and get two solid shots against the Bricklicant. We're going to start with the cannon that Giles is at. He's going to roll with Forceful. He gets a plus two, but he is going to take one of those free invokes on Pilferbell's cannon and X to bring that up to a plus four. The Bricklicant is going to try and defend with Quick and gets a zero. Oh, yeah. Um, It's going to spend another fate point to use its mutable form to kind of dodge out of the way a little bit, um, reducing the damage by two, but it has now taken three total stress and is down two fate points. Excellent. Now we're going to go to the second cannon from Patrol X. They're also going to attack with Forceful. They only get a plus one. Let's see how the Bricklicant does defending with Quick. It also only gets a plus one. Um, Patrol X is going to use our second free invoke on Pilferbell's cannon in X to bring that up to a plus three, and that is going to deal two stress to the Bricklicant, and the Bricklicant is looking very 
very ragged at this point. You can see most of the goop has completely stripped and melted away from it. There's only a little bit still holding all these bricks together. Patrol X is going to give their turn over to Alvin. And Alvin, he saw Master Brickathon dip his claws into the bottom of the cauldron and get that bit of the flower juice on there. He's going to do the same thing, and he's going to try and just straight up maul the Bricklicant with his hands. So he is going to roll with Forceful and gets a minus one, actually. Ouch. Oh, gosh. But... He goes running up towards the Bricklicant and he starts clawing away at it and he's trying his best, but it looks like the potency of the flowers has worn out because not all of the flowers were there. Are we sure that we got all of the flowers? Hey, Ned. Yes? Am I allowed to invoke something when it's not my turn? Uh, what are you attempting? I would like, you gave me a boost labeled a spark of understanding. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if I could spend a fate point. Hear Master Brickathon yell that, look at the goof up with the cannon, and look at Oleg, and have a spark of understanding that maybe we didn't get all the flowers, because maybe somebody didn't grab them all. Roll with Clever to try and make that connection. You'll get that plus two or re-roll with the spark of understanding. So that's going to be a plus four. Plus four? You know it was Oleg. You know it was Oleg. Do I have time to say something, or do I have to wait my turn to tell Master Brickathon? Yeah, you can use that as a free action. Aye, Master Brickathon. Methinks, and I point my sword, somebody didn't get all their flowers. Oleg, Oleg, he is slippery. He may have gotten hold of you. You say he got a hold of you. There were no sheep uh, that I saw, no youths. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> in, in the cap store. He, he has no holds on any use, uh, but thank you for checking. Patrol X has finished their turn, and they are going to pass their turn to Commander Brickathon. And Commander Brickathon, having seen all this going on, he still has the journal in his hands, and he's flipping through it, and he pauses on a page, and he looks up at Master Brickathon, and he says, Getting all the flowers was ideal, but there's another way. And he tosses the journal on the ground and starts rushing towards the Bricklicant. And he takes one of his hands out, kind of pops it out of there. And he, uh, with that stump, he kind of dips it in the cauldron to get some of that flower juice on there. And he starts to chant these strange words. And you see a glowing appear around him. And he rushes towards the Bricklicant. And he is going to try and jam that stump of his fist into the Bricklicant's side. He is going to attack with Forceful. He's going to get a plus two. The Bricklicant is going to defend with Quick, getting a plus two. Commander Brickathon slams it into the side, and you can see the paint on his body getting sucked off of himself through his arm into the Bricklicant's body. He succeeds at a minor cost, and he turns towards you all, and he says, The book said the flowers could do it on their own, but in lieu of the flowers, only all the love in somebody's heart could take this thing out. And he turns towards Master Brickathon and says, Bro, I love you, man, but I gotta save the world right now. I, I love you too, brother. And he gives a smile right before the paint starts to slide off of his face down his arm, into the Bricklicant's body, and as the final bit of color has left his body, the Bricklicant explodes in a shower of bricks that pelt the trees, pelt the crows and the vultures, 
pelt the ghosts sitting in the audience there. And after the shower of bricks finishes raining down all around you, everything goes silent. And you see a pure white Lego minifigure lying on the ground where the bricklicant used to be. I'll approach the minifigure on the ground and take a look. And you flip the body over and you see where the face should be is a mask grimacing, howling at you. One final prank from your brother. He always did have to have the last laugh. Goodbye. And Alvin comes up behind you and says, Did we just save the world? Yes, Alvin. He did. And you hear a hubbub coming from towards the outskirts of the camp. And you see Giles has gathered all of Patrol X. And they're moving menacingly towards Oleg. And he says, You know what pirates do to mutineers? And he's got a big old sword in his hand that he's waving in your direction. Giles, you're right. That is what we do to mutineers. But this was a unique situation. Oleg, do you still feel the bricklicant control in your heart? I look at the sword and I look at the guys coming towards me. And in my fear, I, I quake a little bit. And there's a little of this sludge that falls out of my body. And as it leaves, I feel myself be purified. And I say, no, I, I, it was in me. It got in my brain. Well, it got where my brain should be. And I was confused. I'm sorry. It's okay, Oleg. Giles, and I turn and look back at Master Brickathon. I think today I learned a lesson in love and mercy. We'll let Oleg off the hook this time. I'm going to walk over to the two ghosts I made on accident. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to try and grab their bodies and put them back together for them. Since I did the same for Alvin, maybe this could work too. So I'll put them back together if I can and sit them in the chairs with the ghosts. All right, roll to overcome with careful. Negative three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you try to put the bodies back together, but it's it's just not working. And Giles comes up next to you and says, It's all right, Oleg. To be completely honest, they were kind of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Thank you. Giles looks over this entire tableau and says, Well, this has been mighty fun, but I think I'm ready for a dame. (laughs) And as you all laugh heartily, your warm cheers breaking the quiet night air, that single bit of sludge slithers off into the woods. And that is going to conclude the story of the Tension Builders. Yes! (laughs) Thanks for listening to Improv Tabletop. We'll be back next month with more adventures in a brand new setting. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as a dying man's last prank if you would go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also on Twitter, at Improv Tabletop. If you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, tweet about us using hashtag setting or hashtag aspect. Let's do a round of plugs. I have gotten really interested lately in pens. Pens are really cool. But you see, there's this problem. Whenever you loan your pen to somebody, you're never going to see that pen again. If you've bought yourself a nice pen, you don't want to just be loaning that to any rando or even to one of your friends because, trust me, even even your friends are going to steal your pens without even realizing it. So I've invented pens 
that have a remote shocking system built into them. So like if you loan your pen to a friend and then a couple hours later you reach for it and you're like, my pen isn't there. How do I remind my friend that this is my pen? Just pull out your smartphone, boop, boop, boop. 50 millivolts of electricity. I don't know how much electricity that is. I don't know if that would hurt, but it's going to hurt. And uh, that's how you know where your pen is. So if you're interested in buying one of these pens, go ahead and hit up shockyourfriendswithyourpens.blogspot.com. Caleb, what you got going on? Last week we talked about bathing, which I still hope that all of you are doing regularly. This week, for a plug, with all the extra baths you're taking, you may realize that maybe your bathtub needs a new plug. And so I am starting a separate business selling themed bathtub plugs. And it's really anything you want. Just like, you know, send me a text message and tell me what you want it to look like. And I will take, you know, the toy or some merch from, you know, your favorite TV show and slap it on the top of a cork that you can then just, you know, use for all of your bath time water staying needs. So uh, shoot me up about that. This is the most literal round of plugs we've ever done. Uh, Ned, my dad's an electrician, and you would expect me to know more about voltage, uh, but I've never heard the term millivolts until I just Googled it, and it turns out 50 millivolts is 0.05 volts. So uh, to be quite frank, I'm not sure that's even feelable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're we're not on IPO yet, uh, so we're still taking some uh, critiques from our audience and we're going to do some QC on the product. Make sure that you're going to give your friends something that will truly honestly cause them great pain. Well, you know what? Actually, hey, here's what here's what I'll do. I'll work in tandem with your company here because, you know, there, this information is all readily available, but what fun is that? I am going to stand naked at the most public street corner I can find within 10 miles of my house, and I'm going to attach myself to a car battery, and I am going to test, I'm going to slowly turn voltages up until we know how many volts it takes to cause significant pain, and you can use that in your pins. Why do you have to be naked? (laughs) That's what I'm wondering. For science. For the the contacts with the car battery, too. it, it wouldn't be a performance art piece if it didn't make you think about something. Yeah. You know what? I don't have to explain my art to you. <laughs> Christian, what do you have going on? Uh, well, I can honestly say nothing that shocking. Not this week. Hey. <laughs> oh. I've, I've been reading a lot lately. Um, really interested in this uh, idea of Taoism. There's this really cool book called The The Tao of Pooh. That's it's the uh, best book. I love it. Yeah, if you haven't read it, highly recommend it. But I've been reading a lot about that and, and uh, you know, meditation's part of that. And so I've been working on this meditation idea. Um, you, you might have seen these, I think they're called singing bowls, where you kind of tap the edge and then you rub it and it uh, vibrates and makes this really soothing sound. Well, uh, I've been working with... Uh, an undisclosed billionaire and we have been forging a uh, sinking bowl about the size of a football stadium and what we're going to do is we're going to get a group of people we're going to go ahead and sit down inside the middle of the stadium uh, take an apache helicopter and a redwood tree and bang it on the side and have that fly around while we're all inside um and see if it cures our anxiety and depression or if it uh just turns us to jelly 
uh, either way, it will be interesting. So uh, keep an eye out for that. This may be Christian's last appearance on the podcast. <laughs> First and last campaign. Thank you, Christian Randall. Uh, man, thanks for joining us here in the world of the Tension Builders. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Caleb Anderton, who never cries during this podcast ever. Evan Peterson, who really started to feel the feels. And Christian Randall, the no longer so evil. Much love and stuff. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop. <laughs>